Hello out there, all you Meat Curtain fans. I'd like to start this episode with a brief apology. There was a death in my family, which is why this episode is a couple of days late. Also, you'll hear on the episode, my sound is particularly bad. This is because, for whatever reason, my mic wasn't picking up anything. So all of my recordings are whatever is picked up off of somebody else's mic. I guess that's it. Enjoy the show. One, two, three, go! On this week's episode of Behind the Meat Curtains, we have a certified sexual educator and the return of Eris, who is a life coach herself. This week's episode is all about female sexuality and sexual health. Enjoy the show. Today's episode, um, I kind of want to focus on mental and sexual health in the industry, and yeah, so that's what we are starting with. So, as always, let's introduce the newcomer. My name is Amy J. Moore. And what do you do? <laughs> so, I actually don't do this for work, but it's my passion. Um, I'm a certified sexual educator and um, coach, and I also am a certified hypnotherapist, and I I'm super interested in helping females heal uh, sexual trauma, which we all usually have, even if it's just being teased when you're a kid. And I think that if we can heal the feminine collective, the universe will be healed. So that's kind of what I think. <laughs> I, yeah, I really want to dig deep into that. But before we do that, we need to get old so we understand who all the voices are. What's our, who's our other guest today? Hi, I'm Eris. I'm back again because I just love <laughs> and for those who didn't hear the other one what is what are your uh, what makes you qualified to be on our podcast <laughs> right well i'm technically still a baby stripper um i think i've been doing it for three months now uh but i'm also a life coach and um, have spent a number of years mentoring women around sovereignty which includes sexual sovereignty um and also self-care and how to take care of oneself during life transitions and recognizing those life transitions. Like becoming a, a dancer yes. when you're 40? like becoming <laughs> a dancer when you turn 40. Yes, exactly. So um, uh, I am not certified by any board. I am certified by life. I've lived all of the things I talk about and mentor around. So the first thing, uh, first question that popped in my mind when you were talking is what got you interested in... Uh, yes, you. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Amy, right? Mm -hmm. What well, got you interested in what you said? I don't think I can <laughs> say <Set> that <laughs> the entire line again, but what got you interested in, I guess, helping women with this? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not a physical thing, <laughs> basically. Um, I've always been fascinated with sexual psychology in general because it's a huge part of who we are as humans, and I, I can watch the ways that people move in the world with their sexuality and how it helps and doesn't help themselves sometimes. So then I also was hired um, as a digital strategist for a, um, a woman's uh, toy company, and I ended up creating a wellness program for, for our consumers. And every time they would buy one of our devices, I would meet with them for 30 minutes or so and on a Zoom call and meet with them. And I realized, having met with over 1,500, probably 2,000 women, how much trauma there really is that women are digging through around their own sense of sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so it just triggered this thing. And when I was in my early 40s, went back into school to, to figure out all this stuff. 
And I have two daughters as well. So that's that's a huge portion of it. I'm curious about this question just because anyone who's heard some of my past, I had a very conservative, regressive, kind of like very... Like, I grew up a lot of my life thinking that sex was just a thing that bad people did before I actually even knew what it was because it was so, like... Taboo. Taboo, yeah. What was What was your life growing up like was it an open was it closed it was very close so i'm 48 years old my mother was raised mennonite so she thought she was being very conservative by or liberal by raising me an evangelical and so i was very shamed for my body and told that i was responsible for men's responses to me so and people they there's that sexual trauma yeah it is because it does affect how you grow into your sexuality so the ways that we're raised have a huge part of how we come into our sexuality and then those things that happen to us and of course I don't know almost any woman that has not been sexually assaulted in some form or fashion. Um, and so it just, it's so invasive and it's everywhere. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a portion of mine, my, my struggle as well. That's interesting. Yeah. And I was raped when I was 17. So there's that. He's still in prison. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. We, we interviewed a girl, um, Faith, and she was talking, she'd been in the industry since what, ni- 1994 or something? Oh, yeah, it was 19, in the 1990s, and she was talking about how she thought it was, it was sad, and you want to think that it's not true, but like, like most of the girls in the industry have been a victim of some kind of sexual trauma or sexual violence, and, but it's not just in the industry, it's other, it's, it's just everywhere. I mean, the statistics are one in four girls will be sexually abused in some form or fashion, whether it's incest rape, whatever it is. Um, I mean, it's staggering figures and we don't often talk about it. I didn't till I was significantly older, talk about the things that had happened to me. Um, again, the repression, the shame around sexuality. And if, you know, especially if you're raised conservative, my goodness, um, I was not, you know, I was literally shamed for the way I looked and strapped, my boobs were strapped down and that type of thing. So why would I talk about what happened to me? I thought it was my fault. Now, you had this part of your thing, like in wellness or stuff. Does it overlap with what she does? Tell me about where you... Oh, for sure. Because a lot of my work is actually around deconditioning. So it's deconditioning what has, what, like, what we've grown up in, understanding what our worth and our value is in a patriarchal society that sees women as property and something they can do whatever they want with. And so my work is a lot of deconditioning, so limiting beliefs. So every religion has a lot of limiting beliefs inherent in the religion itself, but so does your family of origin, so does the culture of origin, and so does the society you live in. And so that's like four or five different layers of conditioning that keep women from their own power. And women's power resides in their magnetism, which is the sexual being that we are. Um, If you look at this from an energetic um, perspective, and let me just say, I'm also an energy worker and um, I'm an ordained minister and I'm also an apprentice or what do you call it? I'm I'm an initiated priestess as well. So I come at this from the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual realms all the time. And so if you look at the energetic side of this, it's the sacral chakra for women where we hold most of our power, it is the magnetics. And it's also what we call the blood mysteries, 
which are a total mystery to men for a reason, but also, unfortunately, a mystery to women as well, because all of that stuff has been um, considered taboo. And we, we, we're not even allowed to, to um, work with it or name it. And most of us have a terrible relationship with our own body and our own period, which is actually really highly linked with our sexuality. We, I mean, we all know when we're ovulating how horny we get. <laughs> we also all know how freaking powerful we, all when we're, we are when we're menstruating. I mean, like the men at the club can literally smell when we are bleeding and they will throw more money at us because we smell like blood yes so it's 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 pussy power it is no it's no it's literally pussy power like people laugh about that and they're a little tongue-in-cheek but it is the thing that men are so horrified and scared of because they have gone to great lengths to keep us um uh like dissociated from our own bodies uh without access to our own power and we even like uh, internalize that that hate and the dis- the disgust um, in certain ways. So yes, the work I do one hundred percent. This is why most women are like we get slut shamed from women more than men a lot of times. We do. It's, and that's just a projection of your own sense of how you feel about exactly. It's internalized. Um, yeah, we've internalized that part of where other people outside of us have said this is bad, and then we have that little inner critic voice inside of us that says, oh, wait, this is bad. And and not to forget that this is also a safety mechanism for most women. Like, we, right, the incidence of, of rape and sexual assaults yeah. are one in four. We have to do what we need to do to keep ourselves safe. So... It, some of it is conscious, we're, you know, we're constantly looking to keep ourselves safe, but some of it is more unconscious, and that's that inner voice, the inner critic that will say, um, you know, we'll, we'll be slut-shaming ourselves. It's a safety mechanism, it's a protection mechanism that we're not necessarily conscious of, but it keeps us from being in our power. And the thing is, is when we see women in our power, most of us are like, yep, we either go one of two ways, we'll be like, fuck yeah, I want to be like that. Or we'll try to tear her down. Yeah. It's the yeah. crap in a bucket Because it's syndrome. representing what you're not. I see yes. you and I want to be that. I'm not, so I'm going to make sure that you can come to my level. Yeah, yeah. so the competition and comparison is really actually toxic. It's this thing that drives me nuts. I'm like, <laughs> the women are busy catfighting amongst themselves so that like, the power that we could have collectively is wasted instead of coming together and changing the whole freaking system. Do you just like... That's a patriarchal yeah. move, by the way. That's been what's yep. been put down oh, yeah. that we've listened to, whether it's, yep. you know... They come from the churches and the monarchy. All of... Well, and now cosmetic companies and, you know, we're told that we're always not good enough. And then yep. anyway, it's just, it's perpetuated like crazy. And that's why I became a certified hypnotherapist, the subconscious. Yeah. A lot of that resides down here. And until you excavate those demons and look them in the eye, yep. you, you don't know what <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you sometimes don't even know that you're doing it and you're yeah. acting from that. Yeah. It's, exactly. yeah. So who do you, who do you, like, hypnotize or who do you work with? Like, yeah, they you know, play that ball. <laughs> so, like, so I, when I created that wellness program and then this became my passion, COVID hit. So these were my projects that I did when I had nothing else to do. <laughs> um, and I've hypnotized probably a total of 25 people, mostly for fun. I, what I want to do is someday start up an entire practice around this and have people like yourself involved. But right now, mama has to pay the bills. So I still do my digital strategy and and work, you know, but this is my goal. And I do have a website in the work that I hope to tell about maybe next year. Mm-hmm. 
that's helping women source the right toy for them. And again, having a personal um, coach with them, telling them how to use it. It's amazing how many women do not have never given this, themselves permission to please themselves. They think it's dirty. Wow. And so, and I believe if you empower yourself by yourself, you're going to make less poor decisions when it comes to relational and partner. Yeah, because you yeah. were talking about it being around sexual trauma. And I think when I when I ran into you here, which, I mean, I met you by a donkey picture from your, your other job. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I ran into her at Backside Cakes. You didn't ask for yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were talking about how you wanted to help people that had sexual trauma, like, find their sexuality again. Yeah. Because just because you went through that doesn't mean that you can't find it again. Doesn't mean that you can't have a healthy sex life. Or We subcontract out as women. A lot of times our sexuality to men. And that's, that's where we believe that's where it lies. So we, we don't necessarily like, I am whole by myself. I don't actually need another partner, but the male gaze has been so, you know, we've just basically decided that that's how we view ourselves. Um, that's one thing that I see a lot is so many women, probably guys too, but I notice it more women, uh, their entire identity is wrapped around yeah. like how how sexually attractive they are, yeah. you know, and it's the scorecard that they constantly and they don't even yeah. they don't know they don't have a realistic view of what that is. It's mm-hmm. just like it's like a Facebook told. page, you know, yeah. like, oh, look at all these other people having fun out there, but mine doesn't look like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's. It's this weird... We don't even know what we want sometimes. Yeah. So we're told what we want by what we're told they want. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a vicious cycle. So empowering women with, within themselves is what I'm, I love seeing with you. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I get in like... I'm very like confident. I'm like, you know, we're so powerful. And then I get to work and I feel like I'm put... I'm like compared to all these other women because of the men in there. And it's like, you are so strong that, but do you ever struggle with that, you know, when you're at work? Like, I, I would have, if I had started this younger, like if, if I had started this in my twenties, God forbid, um, or even in my thirties, I know I would have struggled because I was still measuring myself up to the male gaze. And I want to say, I had, I grew up with five brothers. It started so young for me. So young for me. I don't, yeah, I don't even remember a time when I was not compared to the men in my family. So I know if I had started this younger, I absolutely would have been screwed, right? Emotional roller coaster all the time, no sense of self-worth or self-worth determined by like how much money I made or who thought I was, all of that, that for sure that would have happened. But I'm, (laughs) I'm 40, 41, and I've been doing this deconditioning work for a decade. And at this point, no, it's literally just a way for me to make money. That's it. So I don't care what the other person says. I'm not comparing myself to the other dancers. That's, that's like a waste of energy. And that's, that's really a good way to look at it is like, where is your energy going? What's your intention for going to work? My intention for going to work is to make as much freaking cash as I can make. That doesn't mean I don't get frustrated when like a sale goes sideways, um, which you cannot always control because you really never know what the other person is thinking. But no, I, not now. But yeah, are younger, you yes. Ooze, you ooze confidence. You like do. when you, yes. you're like, yes. you're like a, like fierce, but you're kind and just like you're, you do, you could see your, like feel your energy when you're, yeah. when you're there. Well, well, so that is that, that energy that you can feel again, that's back to a lot of the energy work that I do working with people's like chakras, right? That is the magnetic energy that does ooze the confidence, but it is having worked through, somatically worked through 
the trauma because yes like everyone else here i was sexually molested the first time at five so there's there was a lot of um untangling that needed to happen and liberation and it here's what's really important to remember through all of this is it starts with the body and your nervous system is the governor your nervous system will say how fast how slow you can go what you can even do to untangle all of this and um your nervous system is affected by your thoughts Yeah, AKA so true. Conditioning. The words we speak to yep. ourselves. So all of this is like a multi-layer process. Like I said, I have 10 years under my belt of doing this work. It's not done by any means, so I don't want to make it sound like, oh yeah, 10 years and you're fine. Um, well, it would probably never be undone. No, it's never. It's no, because there's always more. another you gotta layer. Do the, you gotta do the yes. Work. Yeah, there's no destination. And that's actually what a really good way to frame it, I think, if we remind ourselves it's a journey. Like I literally was like, oh, I'm 40. What would be cool? I'm going to go be a stripper. Because I was like, here's some experience I've never had. Yeah. And here's a way to like a little trial by fire. See if all the shit I've worked on for the last 10 years actually <laughs> stuck. Did it stick? Yeah, it stuck. Can I do it? Yeah. And, and also like, what do I not know about? Like, what are the things I still need to learn or still need to work on? Because it's a great mirror. Right. The the environment is, an, is a mirror for you to be like, okay, am I really a type of person who can be supportive of all of my co-workers? Because it's like fierce in there. Every woman in there is trying to make her money. So can I maintain that? Is that real? Did that really settle into me? Or is that just like, do I not have enough reps yet? You guys are kind of put in a dog pen in a way. You can, it can be looked at that way. But yeah. I, so far my experience has been, even with other girls who are like, still comparing or competing it doesn't i'm like no that's where they are whatever I, but i still am not you can go. choose to be affected by so, a person or not yeah so since we have this resource on here and this popped into my head i, I think the you know this is a um, sex industry based podcast <laughs> and i think specifically a strip club is a probably mentally dangerous person a uh, place for a uh, Someone who works in the stripping industry, because of like what you're saying, constantly competing. Yeah, you see so many females. Yeah, um, like backstabbing each other mm -hmm. instead of yeah. like getting together as a team. Mm -hmm. So since we have both of you on, like taking turns, what would be some of the like, if you had this uh, this person sitting in front of you, stripper person, what are some of like the advice that you would give to them? What are some of the things that you like? generally would say about about that uh well she she has a daughter that um amy j has a daughter that wants to that actually talked to her about wanting to become a dancer and she goes to college and so she's actually graduated she's an rn but she's <laughs> but she's bored and she's experimenting with her body a lot and finally getting this is why I do this too I don't want my daughters to have to wait as long as I did to, to heal so I am very open with her and she's like mom I'm really curious about this and I'm like I don't really know what to tell you <laughs> but I know some people who do <laughs> um, I do have a, a, a few pieces of advice yeah. that I got from dancers as they were walking out with some of the girls that I couldn't Late get night. Yeah, yeah, we were having a ship drink, and I'm like, hey! <laughs> what if, they yeah. all were very, very happy to give us their, their advice. They're like, so all right, and this, and this, and we'll do Yeah, this. so it's on, re it's on receipt tape. It's covered in beer and whatever else was in my tip bucket. It's fine. Let's get uh, black-lighted, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I also have a, a, another announcement for another resource for dancers. Um, so one of them was don't become a prima donna. 
What does that like be like um, um, diva-ish? Like it's, it's the whole like the the golden pussy syndrome syndrome, which we call GPS, and it's like the newer girls. <gasps> I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, you're new. You're new. Yeah. I'm you're the new girl. You're the baby yeah, skipper. Yeah, have a plan. Like have have an or maybe an end game. Like just mm. don't just get into it and just not have a plan to what you're going to do with all that That's money. Nice. Um, try to get along with the dancers. <laughs> it's not always, it's, it's not going to happen with everyone. No. Um, Which it doesn't in any workplace, let's be no. honest. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, I had a girl, I mean, you have to have thick skin, which we've already talked about. Um, one of the girls, she doesn't drink. She'll get fake drinks, but she doesn't drink. She goes there to make yeah. money. Yep. You don't, don't you drink. Don't drink. Um, there's a couple of them. They're just there to make money. A lot of girls are just like, I need, there's girls that like compete kind of on how much they can drink. Well, um, and also is it maybe a soothing of a trying to be a little disconnected as well? You know, yeah, discomfort? Yes, it is, and it's, yeah, that's one of the things I see a lot. And I'm like, I, I look at them, I'm like, baby, you got to address that trauma. <laughs> like, right, stop numbing it with the alcohol or the weed or whatever it is. Yeah, so Oh, I was going to say, do you drink um, outside of work at all, or do you just no, no, because when I was doing all that work, I realized, like, if I was going to be real and living this life in a fully embodied way, which means also sexually embodied, like, yeah. able to actually feel my own pussy, yeah. <laughs> I true. could not numb out. It's interesting, if you had a group of 15 to 100 women in the room and asked them the last time they had sober sex, especially if they're single, it's a really interesting thing to realize. A lot of times we do just wow. need to. Mm-hmm. Don't even have sober sex. A lot of people don't have sober sex. I, it's uncomfortable. I dated someone that it occurred to me fairly early on. I didn't date her for very long, by the way. It <laughs> occurred to me very early on that she couldn't yeah. have sex unless she was. Because like I don't drink very much at all. Um, and it, it became, yeah, it became obvious to me that she didn't feel comfortable physically yeah. unless she was drunk and also didn't feel comfortable in her body enough to not be having sex right. so that's a kind of a, right yeah a, well those odd. two things are definitely married yeah. you know that that um and i actually want to drop in right here wherever you are with in your journey with this like if you're listening to me say i can't possibly go to work and not get high fine that's okay like recognize where you are on your journey no judgment like, none not, no, that's where I would be like, let's start where you're at. What's your goal? It may not even be your goal to be sober at work. That might be like, you know, your fun time. I don't know. Or maybe you realize it helps you sell more dances. I don't know. So yeah, I don't want to yeah. shame any of it. I'm just saying like yeah. my own experiences. If I'm going to do life for real, I need to be sober. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of girls that will, they, they'll give themselves a limit. They'll be like, okay, I'm going to get one at the beginning just yeah. to loosen up. And then, then they'll go on stage. But then there are other ones that are just balls to the wall. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, how I, many drinks? You were just. I was gonna say, <laughs> I would think if I was to put a, a piece of advice on there, and again, I say this every time, I am not the one to be giving advice. <laughs> but I, just, uh, as an outward court observer, if you're a dancer, you should give yourself a limit because there is a certain point at which, if nothing else. You're not going to be able to regulate your own money. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think yeah. consent becomes wonky. Yes. yes. So um, th- this is another thing that I've figured out. Even my 23-year-old thought she's going to die. She, um, she, 
a lot of girls, women have sex when they don't want to mm -hmm. because they've lost their inhibition and then they just are fearful of saying no. Yeah. So they're in the moments and that was, that was devastating when I heard that that was a huge thing that we're having sex and it seems consensual, but it's, we're just doing it to appease. Yeah. Um, and when you're drinking that, that lower, that lowers all of those inhibitions even more. So, and then you wake up the next day, what did I do with this precious body of mine? Mm -hmm. And as women, we're, we're receiving all the energy yes. comes in. Yes. So I think honestly, that's a, that's a bad situation to be in for both parts. Yeah. Someone yeah. like me, I sure. don't want to feel like I, like you regret it the next day. Yeah. Totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. That totally takes away from um, the actual intimacy and vulnerability that's possible. And actually, one of the things I always end up telling clients is sex, the way we do sex now, is one of the least intimate and vulnerable things that we can do these days because we have just... It's so tangled and twisted that people are just like, yeah, I just want to get some strange tonight in the alley behind the bar. Let's go. Uh -huh. You know? And I'm like, that's not vulnerable and intimate at all. Yep. And I, casual sex is wonderful. Whoever you choose to exercise your sexuality is wonderful. But I think a lot of times women went into having a more free mode around casual sex as a mirroring of what men were doing. So yeah. to, in order to empower ourselves, we were going to be that way. Which, yeah. in fact, I think men are more apt to have casual sex because they have less intimate relationships in the rest of their life. Yeah. And it's the low-hanging fruit of how they find intimacy. Mm -hmm. So then as women, we're over here craving true intimacy, but lower like it's an it's an odd cycle in my mind yep, yep. um I see it working. I, the bar. Yes. yes and i mean yeah. i i mean i was i had a fuck fest in my 20s and 30s and i don't regret <laughs> any of it but now i have a, like i've been celibate for a year and a half i have intentions around i want that i don't want to settle for that and i realized i was fooling myself by yep. thinking i was empowering myself by having casual not you know non-important sex yeah yep. i also i was celibate for two years after i was divorced and it was because wow. i was like can I be so present with my own body, my own body sensations, what I want in the moment? Like, am I actually horny or am I just fucking capitulating to, to keep the peace in my house or whatever, which was what I did for 13 years while I was married. So that, yeah, I think... They're, like women keep doing this thing where we'll say, well, we'll get our power back because we can do what the men can do. And I'm like, no, stop <laughs> modeling our ourselves off the men. It's, it's totally it's, different. Mm -hmm. We don't even have the same template. Like women's power looks nothing like men's power. It's they're completely different. Um, they just, they just look and feel different. And so every time women come back and we're like, well, we can do what the men can do. We can do what the men can do. I'm like, stop doing what the fuck. Who cares? Who cares? What can women do? Yeah. Actually, the shit we can do is really fucking amazing. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, childbirth comes to mind. Yes. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you, Kat. You have more on the, on the list there? I do. I do. I'm, I'm so excited to give... Your daughter is from inside. Yeah. Um, we have another one. Well, it's always the most common one is invest your money. Like um, everybody has like a different say on it. Like, you know, put X amount of dollars away, but like figure out like, like your end game. So, you know, put 20% of like your tips because the best part of being a dancer, being in the industry is the money. Mm -hmm. And so if you're smart with it, then you can, you can go places. I, I do a lot of success stories, or we're working on a bunch of success stories. I know people that put themselves through college, open business, become nurses, become 
you know, everything, and they did it all on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There might be people, unfortunately, who, at the end of their life, why didn't I? Yeah, maybe they did pedal it away. Yeah. And that could just be personality, too, depending, but. (laughs) Well, I think it just gets easy in the industry. It's like when you're young, because there's a lot of, how old is your daughter? 23. And then I have a 15-year-old daughter as well. Well, don't let the 15 year old go. <laughs> she's the one who's very, like, this is her jam. Like, she's going to rule the world in this way. But as 23 years old and you go into an industry and you probably don't have that much work experience, or if you get all that money and it's just like, oh my God. So I'm, then you know that you can go and make that money and get on different shifts. So you'll just spend it. And I've heard a lot of girls say, oh, I did the dancer thing and spent all my money, but I'm going to work this weekend. But it's not always going to be like that. You're not. Because when you first start dancing, you usually you get that new money, that, and then that's when you get the GPS. Mm. <laughs> I'll, I'll look out for that. <laughs> Symptoms may include. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't do meth was one of them. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's solid advice. Write that one down. Yeah. 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 It's life advice right there. Yeah, try to remember <laughs> not to do meth. Um, remember, this is one of mine, is there is a transition between seasons as a dancer. So like, right now, we're going through, summer's our busy season um, at our club, uh, but then you go into fall, and it gets really, really catty, and the money is not as good. So when you're going out and doing that stripper thing and, you know, buying a bunch of stuff... Um, Put some, put some of that money aside. And then a couple of girls who have been at the club for a while said, don't talk to any girls for three months. Like, stay off the radar. Like, don't make your voice be loud at the beginning, but just kind of like, you studied everything. Yeah, that, yeah <laughs> she she did the, um, the VIP booth and took money, and she observed everyone and studied the dancers that made money. And then she was like, okay, I'm ready. Like, yeah, I think that's actually a great piece of advice is maybe have her get a job as like a hostess or something first to like get in there just to get a little bit of taste and see what it's like before she's. That that is actually also just to feel it. I mean, I know she's been to them, but I don't know. Participating is different than just, you know, way different. Yeah. 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 That's great advice. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. And I I would be remiss if I didn't um, also say (laughs) like, Definitely experience what it's like to have a opposite sleep schedule. People underestimate our hormones so much, but when you are up from whatever until 2.30, a.m., not just your circadian rhythm, but as women, and we are sensitive as hell with some very specific hormones, pay attention. Because you're talking about sex and sexual health, right? So you better be including hormones in this, right? The physical body is always, cannot be forgotten. So, yeah, you got to see how you do. One, you know, if you can shift your circadian rhythm, if your self-care is dialed in, you've got to dial in your self-care because you are going to be on a schedule. And that's the end of part one. Our theme music is by Tribe of Noise. You can find them at www.tribeofnoise.com. Thanks to our host, Backside Cakes. You can find them at 740 Northeast 3rd Street, Suite 6, Bend, Oregon, 97701. Stop in sometime. You might see us recording. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you find your podcasts. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a positive rating. We are a new podcast and would really appreciate the support. And you can find us at www.behindthemeatcurtains.com or write us at info at behindthemeatcurtains.com.